the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Just before Megan comes and speaks to us, we're going to read from Matthew's Gospel. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to read from verse 6 of Matthew 26. So however it is you'd like to engage with it, um, please do so. Listen or read if you have a Bible with you on your phone or physically, however it is. And whether you're online, uh, please just stop to encounter God's living word afresh. Matthew chapter 26, we're going to read from verse 6. In the version that I have in front of me, it's entitled, Jesus Anointed at Bethany. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Let's pray, shall we, as Meg comes up to speak to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of being able to read from it. We thank you for Megan, for the preparation and the study that she has done as she comes and speaks to us from this passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gifts that you have given her. And Heavenly Father, we pray for ourselves as we encounter afresh your word, as once again we meet Jesus through the pages of scripture. Give us, we pray, Attentive hearts and attentive minds. Help us, we pray, to listen to your word spoken through Megan. To join together as communally we share in your word and we share in your spirit as you once more wish to speak with us today. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Um, As Nick said, my name is Megan and I am a member here at Belmont and it is such a joy on such a lovely sunny morning to get to spend it with you looking into such a wonderful personal encounter between Jesus, the others around the table and this unnamed woman who comes and anoints him. As Nick said earlier on, this is the start of the series that will lead us to Easter. We're going to look in the coming weeks at four different stories of people meeting with Jesus in the days that lead up to his death. Today's title is Meeting Jesus in the Home. And I think 
if I'm honest, for me, it's probably quite a good title. I am the homebody to beat all homebodies. You will get me out on an adventure to meet new people and do things, and I will enjoy it as long as you can point at the time or the calendar and tell me when I will get to go home, close the front door, and put the kettle on. I am an unashamed lover of the ordinary, the day-to-day, the comfort zone. And I think today's story beautifully kind of intermingles the ordinary and the extraordinary. The mundane day-to-day and the undeniably holy we're presented with a very ordinary domestic scene of a shared meal between friends. And yet, in the midst of it, there is an anointing. During dinner, an unnamed woman who we don't know a lot about for certain comes and pours perfume on Jesus' head. It's a far cry from the anointing rituals for a king. It's not the solemn anointing of the dead. Or even the custom at the time to show hospitality and anoint your own house guest. This is a man sat with his friends enjoying dinner. Who is prepared by an unnamed woman for his death that would beat death. This is the extraordinary and the holy in the middle of the unbelievably ordinary. Now, it goes, I kind of hope without saying, that the people in this story are front and centre. Who they are and what they do is key. But having said that, and maybe slightly strangely, I don't want to focus on them to start with. Instead, I'd like to look at two objects that I think encapsulate and and really show the importance of how the ordinary and the extraordinary are important in this story and also in our lives. Two objects where we see the extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary and the ordinary in the midst of the extraordinary. I'm going to warn you now, there is, those are two words you're going to get quite sick of quite quickly. Um, the first one is the table. One of my favourite sights in my house in some ways goes against quite a lot of who I am as a person. I was going to say if you know me well, but if you know me at all, you probably know that I like neatness, tidiness, order and control. They are part of who I am. It's God's fault, not mine. Um, And it's no more so true than when I know that people are coming round to our house. I like it to be right. And yet, one of the sights that fills me with the most joy is our dining table at the end of a shared meal. 
The kind of meal where we've had to get chairs from the other room and they're the wrong height and the plates don't quite fit and none of the cutlery matches and it is all a complete mess. And yet, even to me, it doesn't matter. A table is found in the middle of this encounter in Matthew 2. And I like to think that it's that kind of a table. A everybody is welcome here table. A budge up, we'll make more room kind of table. Because I think it takes place in that wonderful moment at the end of a shared meal with friends where you push your chairs back from the table. I think it happens in the middle of the utterly ordinary. Because around that table, we meet a group of friends. Perhaps an unlikely group of friends. If you know your Bible at all, you'll know that the disciples were a ragtag, misfit kind of group. And they're in the house of Simon the leper. A man who, until he was healed, had been an outcast from society. Who now fills his house with people. And quietly, in the background, waiting in the wings, is a woman who we don't know much about, but who will briefly step into the limelight for a moment of unforced, unconditional, utter worship. But what is the thread that ties this unlikely group of people together? Who is the gatherer to this table? If the always right Sunday school answer is the one that's in your head, you are correct. It is Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. The person who they hold in common is Jesus. The epitome of the extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary. He who was fully God yet chose to be fully human too. And I think that this speaks to the fact that we need to be as willing to meet Jesus in the middle of our ordinary as in our moments of extraordinary. The passage that Nick read for us starts with a funny little word, a blink and you'd miss it word. It starts with the word while all that is to come all that Jesus will explain about the significance of this woman's actions happen while he's in the middle of the ordinary and I wonder what we are open to happening while we are in the middle of our ordinary whether we're willing to have the kind of tables, the kind of homes, the kind of lives that embrace the shared ordinary and leave that little bit of room for the extraordinary and the holy while we do. Having said that, I want to be really clear about something today. 
There isn't a right ordinary that Jesus is looking for. In so many ways, the shared table that we see in this bit of Matthew would have been an example of the absolute wrong place to be. It's easy, I think, to fall into into the trap of thinking we will have that kind of shared open table, that kind of shared open home and shared open life when we've got it all together. When our lives look as we think they should. Then we'll be able to invite others around our table and into our lives too. When we have the right kind of home. The right bank balance, the right relationship status, whatever it might be. Then we'll be ready. But that's not what Jesus is looking for. Just as in this passage, Jesus wants to sit in the middle of the very reality we find ourselves in, even if it's not the one we choose. Jesus wants to be found in the middle of our current actual ordinary and make it extraordinary. Are we willing to leave space at our tables and in our lives for that? I promised you two objects, so here's the second. The second is the jar. The alabaster jar of very expensive perfume that the woman pours over Jesus' head. It's an interesting action, an intimate physical act which provokes outrage in some, but praise from Jesus. Matthew tells us about the expense of this perfume, I think, because it sets up the extraordinary act that is done with it. To our modern ears, the act of anointing anything is a strange one. I don't think it's what any of you spent your Saturday doing. It is quite literally out of the ordinary. But it wasn't at the time. The act of anointing alone was not extraordinary. It was a ritual for the installation of kings the preparation of the dead, and the appropriate treatment and hospitality towards a guest. But what makes this extraordinary is, I think, threefold. Because in Jesus, we had a guest, a king, and a very soon-to-be-dead man. Unbeknownst to all of those sat around the table with him, he fitted all three criteria. And yet the woman who anoints him fits none of them. She is not the person we would expect to be pouring out the anointing oil. And we are given none of her reasons for doing so. 
We're not told which, if any, of those three prompt her into action. But her act is evidence of some kind of understanding of who this man is. Some kind of the worship that that knowledge provokes. I think we have to say that in some way, at least in part, she has come to appreciate who Jesus is. The disciples are not wrong in what they say. It's really easy when we read that passage to go, oh, honestly, disciples, can you not get it right? And sometimes that is the response to them. But I don't think this is one of those moments. They're not wrong in their assessment about what could have been done with this perfume. But their words come from a place of what they think should have been done with it. Rather than from a place of worship. Jesus is almost ticking off admonishment of them. Acknowledges that they are right about what could have been done for the poor but clearly tells them to get out of the way of her worship. That she has done a beautiful thing for him. That in the tipping up and the pouring out of this expensive perfume, she prepared him for burial. She prepared him for the anguish and the death that only he knew were to come. Her actions signal far, far more than she knows. And in the seemingly ordinary, she has done something extraordinary. Whatever her exact reasoning and motivation may have been, and I don't think we need to know, I don't think it matters. But whatever it may have been, she has been prompted to empty out completely the best of what she had. In an act of some kind of worship, of some kind of honour, she has held nothing back. In the middle of the ordinary dinner scene... She has been open to the utterly extraordinary that the person of Jesus both is and demands. And similarly to with the table, I think that has to leave us with some questions about ourselves. That in the light of that, I wonder, what are we willing to pour out, to give up, to offer completely to Jesus? What is our equivalent, the best of what we have? And it will look different for each of us. But if we choose to, and that is the key, if we choose to, there are things that we can pour out as worship. Our money, our time, our resources, our day-to-day lives, our ordinary can be the precious jar of expensive perfume 
poured over the head of Jesus. Because it is the act of worship, the act of pouring out that makes this extraordinary, not the things themselves. It is the ordinary in the midst of the extraordinary. I actually find it really encouraging that this is an act done by someone we know very little about. That this unnamed woman was able to offer her worship, her extraordinary, and she did it without any way of understanding the enormity and the significance of her actions. Because I think it frees us up to do the same. It frees us up to know that we don't have to understand it all. We don't have to be able to categorise and list the whole picture of who Jesus is. We just have to be able to say, I've seen something here. I've met someone here. And something inside of me says that therefore the best of what I have is poured out. It frees us up, I think, to offer our simple, beautiful worship and leave the rest for God. Because as we meet Jesus in the home of Simon the leper, as we see him sat at the table sharing an ordinary meal with friends, I hope that we see some of the value in our ordinary too. Even in the broken, heavy, sometimes boring, sometimes hard, ordinary that we live. That we can see the place that Jesus could have at our tables, in our lives, and in our ordinary. And more than that, that we can create our own while too. That in the middle of the ordinary, we can leave space for the extraordinary. Both in the pouring out and the offering of the best that we have, but even more so in the person of Jesus. Because the absolute epitome of this wonderful mix and intermingling of the ordinary and the extraordinary is and has to be Jesus. The man who was God. The extraordinary in the ordinary, the ordinary in the extraordinary and the holy in both. So as we come in the coming weeks towards Easter and we declare that our God is not to be found in the tomb anymore. I wonder where we're saying he can be found. Can he be found in our, at our tables, in our homes, anointed with the best that we have? Can he be found in the middle of our ordinary I was um, 
reading um, as part of my morning the other day and came across this snippet from uh, one of the poems I was reading, which I'm going to leave you with and then we're going to move into communion. But I found it really helpful. It says, there is beauty in the ordinary, but if I'm not looking, I'll never see how you are part of every little thing.